0: The NFL podcast is an
3: early season MVP favorite. <laughs> what? That makes no sense. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes: Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Uh, Ricky Hollywood. I, I know we're not to the off season yet. We're edging there. Uh, that that doesn't check out. That money drop. Come on in, Erica. This is what
1: listeners try to do when they think they're funny and clever and picking up. And on you're stuff? the one
4: that's choosing the thing.
1: Oh, the listeners under the bus. I mean, they write. Do you think I would write that? Mine would clearly well, be no, all about not, me. You have
4: you can choose it's by a million. of it. Yeah, but um,
5: but that's fine. I mean, I think that it's fair to say that maybe some of us are in off or heading towards off season mode, and um, that's that's okay.
3: <laughs> if you're one of those people, I think there's two people on the show right now based on the tone of Mark's comment.
5: I would claim one, and it wouldn't necessarily be myself, but, um, mm. you know, there's no more to say because I'll, I'll just suffer for even having voiced this.
2: Do you want to
1: walk it back now at all before I... I
5: didn't claim who I was putting in that um, in that world, so you can't. no one should be offended. You should think it's the other two people I'm talking about.
3: Yes. If you do want to send in money tags, please do it. Uh, or send it uh, Erica Tamposi over on Twitter, and you could be a part of the show. Yes, this is the Championship Sunday preview edition of the Around the NFL podcast. It's a good one, boys. Oh, it's a good one because uh, we have guests galore uh, to talk the NFC title game between the Packers and Bucks We'll have Colleen Wolf, old friend of the show, who uh, hasn't been on in a minute, as they say. So she's rejoining us. Can't wait for that. And for the first time, Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com. He does great work uh, over uh, in the NFL coverage for that particular website. He will join us to talk the AFC title game uh, between the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, we also have some news to get through. We'll kind of stick that right in the middle, halftime style. Uh, this feels like, Greg, a show not to be missed if you are a football junkie, It's a cracker. You know, sometimes you get to these championship weekends. Some teams,
4: they don't really feel like they belong. Like last year's Packers team, okay, it's like you tried to convince yourself. It's Aaron Rodgers, but eh. Like, even the Titans last year. These four teams, I'm saying, like, I can
3: see any one of them winning the Super Bowl. Some good box office stuff. That's a good call. Like, Raheem Mostert isn't going to go off for 237-4 and on some overmatched wannabe contender. I'm I'm, I'm with you. This is going to be great football. Uh, Let's get into it. Yes, and let's start with the AFC title game. I mean, this is fun. It's championship weekend. And because it's championship weekend and because Tom Brady is playing against Patrick Mahomes... We had to get, you know, an extra special guest to join us. I believe him to be, and I know I'm not alone on this podcast, one of the great football writers out there. And he writes for ESPN, and his name is Bill Barnwell. And now he is joining us for the first time on the ATN podcast to break down the AFC title game. Bill, welcome to the show.
2: Ooh this is very spooky. I it feels strange that it hasn't happened before, right?
4: Yeah, it's overdue. It's yep, overdue. Right. I've known Bill a long time since like he was at Football Outsiders and they would do like events speaking at bars in New York City in, in around 2008 when which is about the time he really wore that I'm a Giants fan thing loudly. It's but funny it's,
3: it's funny to me because <laughs> bill and greg in some ways like do a similar job for nfl media and espn so it's almost like two titans of the genre mark on the same show right now and here we are just standing on the shoulders of giants
5: yeah, I mean, I you know I'm just along for the ride. I couldn't be more pleased. I, I shared with the one with you guys the one time that I met Bill for four or five seconds, and that was a meeting that went sideways. We won't we
3: won't get into that on this show, but I'm I'm thrilled that he's here.
5: <laughs> you know, we
3: just went through a whole windup before we started taping Mark about how that individual who you know we, will re- remain nameless. We can never let that tape get out, and now you're actually referencing it on the show, and now I'm talking about you. you you've saying actually
5: that. you've actually taken it about 15 yards further
3: than I did, so. <laughs> (laughs) Thanks again. All right, let's get on track here. We got Bill here, the great Barnwell. Are you, Bill, you're one of those guys that people call you by Barnwell mostly or Bill?
2: That's a good question. I would say, like, college era, Barnwell most commonly. I would say now I feel like I get more Bills than Barnwell. If I like flip my hat backwards, maybe I get more Barnwell.
5: (laughs) You ever get like a, like a, hey, Barney, you know? Mm. Uh, that would that
2: would be someone where I would try to walk away from them,
5: if that's what them. <laughs> that's I, I, I
2: feel like any any sort of shortening that ends in why unless you're a hockey player is not okay
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's a good coda. Um, um let's start this way uh bill because mm-hmm. the chiefs survive by the skin of their teeth against sure. the browns and mm-hmm. you know they do that w- with the help of chad Henney in a very a uh, huge onion hanger of a call there by Andy Reid. Uh, and hopefully they get Mahomes back now. Now on the other side, with the Bills, they have been outgained in each of their playoff games. Their yes. defense obviously stepped up in a big spot against the Ravens uh, mm-hmm. and carried the day there. Are you How concerned are you about the fact that the Bills offense is no longer running teams out of the building like they were in December? And how much do you think uh, do they need to return to that forum to have a chance this weekend?
2: i it's complicated. I, I think there's a couple of things in play here. I thought they were pretty good against the Colts, right? I mean, the Colts were a good defense, maybe not top five, but they were very good against the Colts, especially after halftime, once they stopped getting stuck with 90, 92, 93 yards to go for touchdowns. Um, the Ravens were a very tough defense. I thought they did a really good job against Josh Allen and the Bills, but I think... I think something has to change because this formula that they've won these first two games with is not sustainable. They have been incredible in the red zone for a defense that was, I think, the fifth worst defense in football in the red zone during the regular season, which is not a sticky stat. But there's no reason why they suddenly should turn into, you know, the 2000 Ravens in the red zone where they've given up, I think, two touchdowns now in eight possessions. I believe it was, you know, a missed field goal. It was. Two stops on downs, that fourth down against the Colts, and then, of course, uh, a fourth down late against the Ravens, the pick six. I mean, you can't count on that happening. And we saw last year with Tennessee, which was a team that was great on offense in the red zone, and then in their upset victories against the Ravens and against the Patriots were two of seven um, in the red zone in terms of allowing touchdowns. You face the Chiefs, that's a different... Different level of team in the red zone, so uh, Tennessee was not able to be as effective in the red zone, and we saw that formula kind of fell apart. so for the bills, I think either they have to get stiffer in the on defense you know outside of the red zone or have that offense come back that was you know dominant over the second half of the season because I think they can 't count on holding the chiefs to scoring touchdowns twenty five percent of the time in the red zone come sunday
4: i 'm really curious how the Chiefs will play them because you know the Ravens were interesting. They're such a heavy blitz team. Mm-hmm. They didn't really blitz Allen. They're, they're four guys that were up front were not getting anywhere close to him. The no. Bills' offensive line has been a great um, story for them. They've really improved and now one of the best groups I think in the league. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it it kind of worked. You know, you you held, you made Josh Allen hold the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it's the opposite of what the Chiefs did uh, the first time around and kind of how they're generally programmed. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of heat on Josh Allen the first time around. I, I did go back to watch that, and and it was dangerous. And I think it's going to be dangerous to do it again because unlike the Ravens, they don't have great players in the back end. And right. they sent a lot of pressure at Josh Allen. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But, man, guys were open deep down the field. Watch Rewatching that game, it was a lot closer than I remembered. I mm-hmm. sort of thought of it as this steamrolling by the Chiefs. But, man, there were a lot of opportunities for Allen to make plays. And I guess I would be afraid if I'm the Chiefs of basically every matchup on the field. Like, Stefan Diggs, to me, is, I think, the best receiver in the league. I'd take him even over Adams. If Beasley is Beasley, then you have, you know, Dawson Knox is like a, like everything's a mismatch and I could see them hitting a lot of big plays. If they go that balls out this week
2: from, from one film guy to another. I appreciate that. Cause I also went back and watch the Bills-Chiefs game.
4: Dan's going to make fun of you for that film I guy know, know. Uh, reference there. Here.
2: I know. I <laughs> I went back and watched it, and Josh Allen missed some throws. Like, there were plays to be made on the offense in that game, and there were throws maybe, you know, the Chiefs were able to make a great play to knock a pass away deep, or, you know, Josh Allen missed a receiver by a step because he was under some pressure. I, I don't know what you guys think, but looking at how the Chiefs played the Bills in that game, or sorry, how the Bills played the Chiefs in that game on offense, they played too high. They took away the deep plays. They said, Hey, if you want to run the ball for five yards a carry, great, go nuts. We'll have, happily have you do that. And the, the Chiefs pretty much did that all game. I wonder if, from the Chiefs side of things, if they sort of say the same thing here and say, Hey, we're gonna to play too deep. We're not gonna blitz a lot. We're gonna kind of do what the Ravens did and let you run the ball or let you try let you, you know, hit those short passes, at least theoretically give you the run, although the Bills obviously did not want to run in that game. But Give them the opportunity to run the ball and say, hey, we'll get in a running game sort of, you know, like slot, like just, you know, really slow paced game if that's what you want, because we think we're going to be more efficient than you when it comes to scoring in the red zone.
5: I mean, I also look at the way the Bills handled or attempted to handle Patrick Mahomes in that game. They didn't blitz him once. And that was essentially, according to next gen stats, like the first time that's happened in a game since 2016. And that, you know, that helped them get to 245 yards on the ground, Kansas City. I mean, if you're Buffalo, because obviously, you know, I, I love that everyone's like, that game just doesn't matter at all. We throw it out entirely. Well, there are, like, there is some shared DNA, obviously, with what happened oh, yeah. back then. And, like, if you're Buffalo, you kind of showed what you wanted to do the first time. It didn't really work the way that way they wanted it to. How do you come in and like do you, especially with Patrick Mahomes? I get the head thing is probably fine, but the toe injury I thought last week really affected him. And mm-hmm. those don't necessarily just go away in four or five days. If you're Buffalo, do you take a few chances and just say, we might pay the price, but we have got to try to make Patrick Mahomes um, on that toe uncomfortable? Because I thought it affected his yes. throws
4: last week for sure. Yeah, you got to see. Because his legs, I think it's so underrated. What a big. Part of their offense it is, especially in the playoffs, buying time and picking up like five yards or picking up key first downs. Like he reminds me so much of Andrew Luck. He's not as good a runner, but just when he runs, it's like always devastating. And if you take that away from them, then the then the Chiefs offense is like goes from totally unstoppable to like, you know slightly less than totally unstoppable. Mostly unstoppable. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and they were aggressive last year in the postseason about using Mahomes as a runner in the red zone. I mean, they ran speed options last year in the red zone. They ran Mahomes. They did the last zone. week.
4: I mean, and that's that's the reason they he got it. hurt. That's the they
2: reason they got hurt. Exactly. They did it last week and Mahomes got hurt. So you got to figure, I mean, Andy Reid has guts. I don't know if he has the same guts to call another speed option with Patrick Mahomes after what happened last
3: week. I hope not. Yeah, I, I
2: yeah. hope not too. So, um, that may impact their efficiency in the red zone as well.
3: Uh, much has been made of it. Uh, but I think when you actually look at the Chiefs schedule this season, it is fairly mm-hmm. remarkable that, you know, they've won uh, basically every week since week five, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of a week 17 loss that didn't matter. And those wins but are by... Um, Since the bye, two, four, three, six, six, three, three, the loss. And then they beat Cleveland by five. Obviously, you kind of throw out the game against Cleveland on some level because Mahomes gets hurt. But even then, I think that game was had a good chance of ending up close either way. Um, How much do you put into that, that the offense isn't quite as explosive? They're not running people out of the buildings themselves like they were at their peak a season ago.
2: I, I think it's meaningful. I mean, I think that I'm, you know, I always love quoting recording close games as being a sign that a team is garbage and not actually <laughs> good. I don't know if I'd say that about the Chiefs, but I do think that they are not as good as their record seems to indicate. And I think that, you know, last year, the reason they were able to turn things on in the playoffs, the reason they were able to just, you know, absolutely just make those phenomenal comebacks and just blow away teams when they got hot is that they were incredible in the red zone. They were like 13 of 14 scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And I, you know, you kind of thought, okay, well maybe they'll turn it back on again uh, in the playoffs because they weren't that team again during the regular season. And they weren't against the Browns. They kicked field goals against the Browns. They did stall out against the Browns. And of course, Harrison Butker didn't miss a field goal. which shouldn't help matters, but it wasn't like they were, you know, they were moving the ball, but it wasn't like they were dominating inside the 20. And so I think that's why so much of this game to me comes down to what happens in the red zone, because I think, you know, I, I don't think this offense is cooking at the level where I think they can hit four or five 50 yard plays, especially against the bills team that not really this year, but more so in years past was very good about avoiding those big plays and really focusing on taking away those big plays from opposing offenses. So, you know, maybe I'll be wrong. Obviously they have the upside to do it, but we just haven't seen that offense where it's been, Patrick Mahomes just hitting bomb after bomb after bomb. This has been an offense that's really been about protecting the football, not making mistakes, and just wearing teams down with completion after completion uh, and third down conversion after third down conversion.
3: But like, here's the thing that I'm I'm struggling to make sense of because I feel like it's still more or less the same cast. You still have the same play caller. Patrick Mahomes is still there. You still have uh, Tyreek Hill. You have Travis Kelsey. Uh, What is different? Mm. uh, Maybe it's up front. I know they had Clyde edwards Hilaire that we, on balance, think made the offense better, but now he's out of the picture anyway, potentially. Like, why aren't they that way? Because I don't see a huge difference personnel-wise. They're not the same, though. I I think
4: that's Mm -hmm. been underrated. Like, A, they lost their best offensive lineman, Mitchell Schwartz. He's not coming back. And then last week, imagine if any other team in the playoffs went into the the playoffs without their number two wide receiver, who, by the way, has, like, the best playoff – um, track record of any receiver of the last five years, Sammy Watkins, and without their number one draft pick, who's also their starting running back and gives them a lot extra juice, people would say, oh, that seems like a little banged up. But the Chiefs, it feels like, eh, it doesn't really matter. It's the Chiefs. And I get that they're like three and four on the pecking order, and they're way less important than, than Kelsey, who's just like on another level right now, mm-hmm. and, and Tyree Kill. But those two guys really matter. And those two guys might be playing this week. They are practicing. It sounds like Edward Solaire um, might play. I if I'm a Chiefs fan, I love that Daryl Williams had a nice game last week because their running game has been so bad, mm-hmm. and I really do think that'll help them out to be balanced. Um, if they are not balanced, but I just mean when they hand it off to get six or seven yards, and edwards Hilaire returning and Watkins returning, like I think that would make a big deal.
2: Okay, I'm okay. obligated by our friend Evan Silva to call Daryl Williams the mentor to Clyde edwards That's his name.
3: Um, mentor, he's
2: I, fine. I, I do think the offensive line is a legitimate concern. Losing Mitchell Schwartz is a huge problem. I mean, it didn't affect them as much against the Browns as they would have expected, because they did really do a they really put a lot of pressure on Miles Garrett in the first half with reading him and you know running those jet sweeps past him to slow him down, and then he got hurt and wasn't the same player in the second half of the game, wasn't available even for chunks of the second half of that game. And they're not very good in the interior, their guards aren't all that effective. Eric Fisher is okay at left tackle. I mean, this is a team where you can beat them up front. And we know that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to make plays against pressure, but you'd still rather have him with, you know, a clean pocket. You'd still rather have him be able to, you know, drop back and make plays without having to run the ball for 10, 11 seconds to try Ooh. and find an open receiver. So I, I do think that the, the rest of the team around that core is not the same as it was a year ago.
5: I mean, I I think it's big to have Matt Milano back in the yeah. Travis Kelsey conversation. He wasn't there the first time. Um, I still look at this offense, and, it, you know, the Browns are a completely different defense, but it's like maybe you bottle up Tyreek Hill for a bit, but then Travis Kelsey goes nuts. The Bills have to have an answer for that. Um, I just want to see also, because one of my favorite things that happened last weekend was the Bills. It was like one of these box score phenomenons that just delighted me. It's You got three minutes to go in the first half, and there has been one run by the Bills, and it's been Josh Allen. And it's like I kind of think it's like what you do if if you they were just being real. And like I it wasn't a game where I thought that um, Allen and Dayball were in sync um, early on, and the way that we've seen to some degree. But they just kind of went for it and said, mm. "F our running game. We're just going to throw the ball left and right." Um, I don't know if they really are a team that can get back to balance. It, it, I, Devin Singletary can do some things to today. Like isn't
3: that? Isn't that with them it, – it, it was more extreme, obviously, this past week because it was just ridiculous that they didn't have any running plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they were scoring 40 points every week when they were coming down the stretch like a fireball – They weren't running the ball a lot then either because they didn't have to because Allen was out of his mind and making plays with his legs as well. So I have seen that pop up in place. I know you're not saying that, Mark, but that, oh, the Bills, maybe they need to get some balance to get their offense cooking again. I I actually actually
5: don't think they should go balance because the the Chiefs have been one of the better teams to shut down explosive run plays, but they are about like 24th in the NFL against explosive pass Mm. plays. So if you're Buffalo – Go with who
4: you are at this point. I don't know why you try to change. I wonder if like Dayball, though, uh kind of takes what they give him, you know? And and Allen, if there's a difference here, maybe to me, the 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 story of Mahomes season is is that sort of like next level of maturation and patience <laughs> of like he'll just take the seven-yard uh gain when it's there. There was a lot of that against. Cleveland, uh, certainly, there was a lot. It kind of started in week one, Mm -hmm. you know, that that Texans game, and then the Bills game. Like, to me, that's sort of – that's part of the story of the Chiefs this year. I don't know if Allen and the Bills are there yet. I kind of don't think either defense is going to get many stops, um, but to me that is like the slight difference is maybe Reed – and Mahomes are a little more patient that they'll take what's given, and I almost forgot that we need to do this on this show, but that is why I'm going to lock up the old uh, Chiefs, and I know oh. Mark's got to just go against me, because that's just that's just what he's going he to do. That's where we're at now. It's getting yeah. tight. So we're, we're, I'm one up on, on Mark. The other guys are all out of it. I'm one up on Mark entering last two weeks, so at some point, he's got to make a move and, and go against me. Here. You
5: have to. I will,
4: I will lock up the Bills, because there we go. You know, there's only two four weeks to do this, but I,
5: I had a thought of maybe locking up um, a different team that I thought was a cinch this week and then hoping that Greg falls off. But let's just do the old lock-off one. Yeah, oh, Okay, Beautiful.
3: I mean, you can't do it that Hey, hey Bill, um, not Barney, uh, not Barnwell, Bill. Uh, is it too late for me to throw out the old, I know an X factor for the Bills, John Smoke Brown. Are we giving up on him ever oh. making a big impact? Because this could, hypothetically, is a game where he can be a difference maker Mm -hmm. if we believe that he can get right physically.
2: We have a Chiefs team here that we know are aggressive in the secondary. We know that whether it's Tyron Matthew, whether it's their corners, they're going to go for plays. They are susceptible at times to double moves. Now, they have the athletic ability to catch up and make plays, but if you have a guy who's an incredible deep passer in Josh Allen and you have a a, a guy in John Brown who can get open – wouldn't be crazy. I mean, he made, made
4: good plays last week. John Brown,
2: he was there, he was active, he was making plays, he looked healthy. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out in the slightest. We've seen Sammy Watkins last year, where he was a non factor for most of the season after week one, and then suddenly in the postseason, who has the big play to seal up the AFC Championship game? It's Sammy Watkins. Who has the play, the Darrell Revis fantasy play, where he stacks Richard Sherman and goes for a 40 yard gain? It's Sammy Watkins. So, I don't think you can rule anything out with John Brown based on how he played earlier this season. Um, I think that
5: we've, we've watched like 20 plus of these, these championship games, 30. And it's like, there's always unsuspecting characters that pop yeah. up in the final five to six minutes of these games who are etched in history. And it's not right. someone that we're probably spending this week talking about. It'll be a defensive back, the fourth defensive back on one of these teams. I think have- it could
4: be the receiver depth. Cause like if Watkins returns, I think that helps them or Demarcus Robinson, whatever it is. I love the Matt. Like I'd be a little worried, you know, if I'm a bills fan or a Chiefs fan, like the depth at cornerback for both teams is pretty weak. We don't know if Bashad Breland's playing Tredavious white sneaky has struggled about two or three straight weeks so like it if your best player is struggling whether he's matched up against Kelsey or Hill like then it you know it goes down to our old Sky Sports colleague Josh Norman are you going to yeah. trust him one on one i don't know in a big spot or it's the other way around it's like Gabe Davis versus some of these um Chiefs cornerbacks. I don't know. I think I'm just wishful thinking because whether it's the Chiefs or not, I just want a lot of points. And by the way, if Chad Henney starts this game, I'm changing my lock. That's allowed. I'll probably That's not flip a lock. It. <laughs> well, yeah, then I flip it right to the Bills. Probably if Chad Henne's
5: right. well, crazy. I won't I,
4: be flipping to the Chiefs in a lockoff
5: in that scenario. Yeah, I,
2: I I could see a Josh Norman pass interference penalty having a big role in this game. Some yeah. And um,
3: you, can and I ask you
2: guys one question? You'll have those. Uh, conspiracy theory ask question. Now, there have been people who have said during the second half of the season, oh, the Chiefs are just saving their, their money plays, they're saving their creativity for the postseason. That's why the offense is so boring. Did we see enough last week early in that game, or do you think they're possibly saving it for this game or the or the Super Bowl? Do you think Andy Reid still has stuff in the tank, and Eric Danny still has stuff in the tank, that we haven't seen this year? Yes. You do? Okay, I like that. I I I think... Pretty much every time we say that about an NFL team, they do not have the patience or the.
4: I don't think they've been saving it, but Andy Reid
5: always comes up with something. It's it's Andy Reid is probably like, you know, hunched over a napkin right now, coming up with something that no one's seen before. Just because it's Andy Reid. If you said this about like, you know, some other, um, you know, trash bag team, like, do I think the Detroit Lions are saving things on a week to week basis? I don't think that they've figured out the fundamental playbook to begin with. Kansas City and Andy
3: Reid, totally different situation. How about this, Mark? Alternate reality as a Browns fan. Obviously, things didn't work out the way you wanted to last week. Patrick Holmes stays healthy, Mm -hmm. and you still get back into the game. And then this trick play they've had waiting, they kill you with like a minute and 14 seconds to play with a trick play that becomes legendary. Look at it that way. You might have lost the game last week, but it could have been a heart-wrenching loss with Mm. that hidden trick play coming out.
5: That's possible. I think if Mahomes had played that whole game with the way Cleveland's defense is, um, that would have been like a forty-five point output, and I'd still think Kansas City tried <laughs> to do as little, tried to show as little as they could against the Browns. No,
4: I don't think I don't know if they're saving up, but man, I never,
3: I never don't doubt me, uh, <laughs> never doubt me. Some Andy Reid, well, Dark, you I, were saying on this show last week that people don't see what's happening with the Browns, and there's something special going on here. You can't now say it was going to be a forty burger drop. Oh no, I'm just
5: saying with, I, that was before the game. The way that I watched, you know, that start to take place, I'm right. confident they would okay, have scored I forty. It. I also but, said that none of us. Know anything and most of what we say turns out To be wrong so it's true,
3: yeah. Bill uh before we let you go uh, I would love a pick uh, for both Games mm-hmm. this weekend okay. and then wow. Plug what what you're up to other than Your fine work on the ESPN.com
2: uh, I will go Chiefs Sorry. Mark um, it's okay. <laughs> I, You've kind of been a Bills guy Awkward. I, I will go Bucks mm-hmm. I, I will set so the, Bucks, the Bucks Heat up Aaron Rodgers enough to win that game Ooh. And the
4: bill barnwell show you know that your podcast check it out that's true if he's not gonna pump himself up we, we gotta do it last time I saw bill um was at the combine it, and we went to dinner with someone who wouldn't shake uh our hands and said we should not be hugging because of coronavirus and and they were right. And Bill and I were kind of like, oh, come on. taking it, <laughs> it was like Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Yeah. Who was this? Like, start- uh, you're on
5: top
3: of it. It was Dr. Anthony. It was. I was <laughs> like, you're right. You're right. It was <laughs> also like surprisingly during that dinner, a real tape dog. That's the term we use. We don't watch <laughs> film around here, Bill. We, we are tape dogs. We tape dog it. All right, Bill Barnwell, thank you so much, buddy. It was a long time coming and you did not disappoint uh best wishes and stay well my friend
2: thanks, bill. thanks Thanks. thank you
3: there he goes bill barnwell uh really uh breaking it down as he always does uh before we get to colleen wolf and the nfc title game boys let's hit some news
4: he's right now 57 firing. he's the new clowny hey uh, <laughs> you don't play mike why would you line up there right here right here Right here. Put your hands up, tell everybody you made the play. You like last Put your hands up, tell everybody. Well he took it off. He took it off. That's
2: technique. If his helmet came off, that's a penalty.
0: Run! Hey, run! 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 run.
2: Quit just making up alerts. You like you hear things that scream reverse? You don't know what's going. <laughs>
3: Uh, one of the great trash talkers, wholesome trash talker. He's like a Daniel Jeremiah of the football field, where he's going to come at you with fangs, but he's it, not going to be foul mouthed about it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of dagger gummit and things of that nature. Philip Rivers, uh, what a personality, what a player, and he is now an ex-player. Philip Rivers announced this week he's retiring from the NFL. That ends a 17-year career. Uh, one of the great. Passers in history, a unique player uh, in yes, both his personality and his ability to procreate with his wife Tiffany, and also with that amazing sidearm delivery, just funky looking, and it didn't look like it should work, but damn, did it work for almost sixty-four thousand mm. passing yards, ranked fifth in NFL history. Greg, he was always a favorite of yours, and um, so I want—I'm curious about your thoughts, but let's start. Here, are you surprised? Because it surprised me. I didn't think there was any way he was walking off that year with the Colts. Maybe there's more to the story than we know about a conversations he had with uh, front office officials in Indianapolis. Are you surprised this is the end of the road for Phil Rivers? I am just
4: because he so clearly loves his job so much. But then when I read the explanation that it's been his lifelong dream to coach high school football, you usually would read that and think, like, Oh, that. That's just something athletes would say. Like I believe it. It probably is his lifelong dream and he sees his son's in seventh grade now. He wants to get going with that program that he's the head coach of now in Alabama. Like and I, I buy it that he's just like he's also probably feeling like he's not he's going out on a relative high note. I know they they lost, but I thought he played well this year. He showed he can still play and uh it doesn't feel like you're dragging him off the field like i think he'll have a good memory of of his time in indianapolis i like had the pleasure of driving around yesterday and speaking to matt money smith
5: um you know obviously as the play by play guy for the chargers he got to know philip rivers really well and the way he spoke about him i think it's just philip rivers the person the experience of who he is he's a throwback um you know all these guys are getting drafted today they come in they're they 're ready to roll, um, but there are not a lot of philip rivers' personalities out there and it's yes it's this it 's the dad humor with a little bit of an edge but no um profanity uh, it 's i think one of the most determined um fiery players out there. It was just a joy to watch him on that front and it's you know when he went to North Carolina State um, in high school they didn 't want him to be a quarterback in in the college level because of his throwing motion, which has been one of his um you know something that's that's tagged him forever, and he's still got it done. I just uh, it's whenever whenever these guys who've been around for as long as we've really hardcore been watching football um, retire, it just makes you remember how much you've aged yourself because we've been <laughs> watching them since two thousand and four. And this is a guy. You know, we get all there's all these quarterbacks that come in, and hey, if this guy can stay healthy. Um, you know, then, then he can be productive. He reaches potential. Philip Rivers is, like Eli Manning and others, the classic definition of an Ironman. I mean, you could not keep this guy out of the lineup. And that rises franchise When you have a signal caller like that that cannot, that refuses to not suit up.
3: He's a rock. And you brought up Matt Money Smith, who... I do the power ranking show with on NFL network and we were talking one of the segments on our most recent episode was like I did a power rankings of what are going to be the big off season narratives to track. And one of them was what are the Colts going to do with Philip Rivers a day later? We found out that's already been decided, but I, I thought it was interesting and we're interested in these things uh, that money who's, you know, top broadcaster who knows Rivers. Um, And understands the mechanics of the gig Says that if Phil Rivers goes into a broadcast booth He would be not just Tony Romo level He thinks he could be better than Tony Romo And you wonder if his future in a calling Is in that Monday Night Football booth If he can make that work And and Money seems to think he could uh, With his scheduling as a football coach in high school With a Monday Night gig Uh, That is a really interesting thought And it probably would pay him uh, not the same money as what he would make as a pro quarterback, Greg. Mm. But uh, if he's as good as Romo, he'd get paid like he pay like buy a superstar in our industry.
5: <laughs> he could <laughs> buy the
4: entire high school conference that they're in with that with the money. Monday Night
5: Football. I think Virginia.
4: it is a, I think it is a prep school. Uh, yeah, maybe like the Friday night games, and then you have Monday night. It, it, it seems, it seems possible. Like, and that would be great because that's. I mean, it's part of the reason I loved him. Like, I think of West here. I, I think he liked Rivers, and he he talks about just like characters. I think Wes it's one of the reasons why it's fun to go to a party at Wes's house or visit his friends in Tybee. Like Wes likes characters. And to me, like Rivers wasn't the best quarterback of his generation, but he was such a character. No one threw it like him. He was so aggressive, fun to watch. The trash talking you mentioned, but like the fact that the way he would trash talk would be like pointing out to the defensive players that they're doing something wrong because he knows their defense so well. Like that's a special sort of trash talk. And then you like listen to every player that played with him, whether it's offense, defense, whatever. Man, they all love Philip Rivers. I don't think that's. I don't think that's fake, or, and I think the of course like everyone is gonna respect. Their quarterback and everything, but I think it's like uh, another level. And he was underrated. Like, I really believe the lack of an offensive line and a defense and a running game for so much of his career overshadows that for most of those seasons. If you ranked where he was at quarterback at the end of the season, it was so often in the top five or six. And that to me is the best way to measure a guy is over the course of a, a regular season. And so when you compare him to, to those 04 guys like, like Roethlisberger and and eli like i i do think he was like a little underrated and he's definitely a stats guy i get it but um he was he was awesome man no one like had that mid-range game he had like an old man game from the minute he was in the league it was it was different
3: every this is a quote from Rivers. every year january 20th is a special and emotional day he said that's when the day retired it is saint sebastian's feast day in in Roman Catholic faith he is the patron saint of the athlete Uh, it is also the day I played in the AFC championship without an ACL and now the day uh now that day that after 17 seasons I'm announcing my retirement from the National Football League uh great thank you I think he's a Hall of Famer you really wish he had one deep run in the playoffs that took him to a Super Bowl he never got there even you know I talked about it mark in the elimination game this year you know he just misses the touchdown pass in the end zone on that fourth down it it, to me kind of like spoke the story of his career always so close to having that moment that then would propel the team that just never happened so you could I guess ding him ultimately for the January record although it's you can't put everything on the quarterback but overall great player great producer uh, a rock in terms of staying in the lineup and just a fun guy to cover what else can you ask for
5: I think he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of interesting cases coming up, but if you look at some of the quarterbacks that are in the NFL in the Hall of Fame, like they didn't all go to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's um, it's a team sport.
4: Uh, he'd get my vote. Mm, that freaking right. ACL, man. If uh, that <laughs> that '07 Patriots team, not that I w- would have wanted it to happen, but I think they were they were ripe to be picked off there, and they were very competitive in that game. If you had had a, a healthier
3: Uh, Philip Rivers and Tomlinson in that game some real bad blood between those Patriots and Chargers teams back then Um, all right so good luck to whatever comes next Phil Rivers I feel like you're still going to be on our radar uh, sooner rather than later moving on the Detroit Lions introduced Dan Campbell as their new head coach after signing to that six-year contract and this is just fun let's listen to the opening (laughs) remarks from Campbell uh, in his press conference with the media on Thursday. So this team's going to be
0: built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right. And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing.
3: Mark, are you surprised with the hire of Stone Cold Steve Austin as the head coach of the Lions? <laughs> I feel
5: like the NFL is already investigating his um, opening press conference, probably for some of the things he promised to do. But I mean, I, I, what I was surprised by was a six-year contract. Um, I, you know, sight unseen, this isn't like hiring Bill Parcells part two, and so uh, this to me, you know, look at I, I like. This story already I mean there's a lot to like Um, If it goes well I feel like it's going to go Really really well Or it's not going to play at all And like it's um, Because of that That's sort of That's his personality Does this register Um, And what's the rest of him about I I like the whole idea of it uh, But it's a huge wait and see for me But they're showing tremendous faith With a six year deal
4: yeah, I, I, I just love that he's gonna be part of our lives. I mean, maybe maybe biting people's kneecaps off is like the new Moneyball. Like that's the way to get an advantage in the NFL. Just bite <laughs> <don't think> some, <laughs> bite some, bite some kneecaps. It's just, it's just funny because they hired Chris Spielman, and I, I like, I really like Chris Spielman as an analyst on Fox. He was actually one of my favorites, even if I didn't always agree with him. But they basically hired Chris Spielman to like hire another version of Chris Spielman. Because that's sort of how Chris Spielman talks is like this ultimate macho tough guy. I love that he's this huge, like, Miami Beach-looking bodybuilder type, but, like, packed into this little, this suit, you know? But he kind of talks and looks like Jeff Bridges. I think it was Rotopad (laughs) who pointed that out. Like, he he talks like the dude. Like, everything about it's great. I don't know if any of it's gonna work. He hired Aaron Glenn, who a lot of people really like, as defensive coordinator. And he did say some things in that press conference about their offensive philosophy that was much more about, like, what the Saints do and matchup-based and and I thought intelligent that, you know, that didn't get as much play. Um, but I think, you know, he's he's a Saints coach, so he's going to take a lot of what they did and, and try to
3: apply it. Uh, in other news, sad news uh, to report out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, former Packers general manager Ted Thompson, the man who drafted Aaron Rodgers in his first draft in charge uh, at Green Bay, traded away Brett Favre, um, helped build that championship team, that won Super Bowl 45 he has died sadly Uh, Matt LaFleur the head coach uh, alerted the media 68 years old just 68 Ted Thompson uh, played 10 season in the NFL in the 70s into the 80s was the GM for Green Bay from 2005 through 2017 Uh, he moved into a consultant role uh, starting in 2018 because of declining health Uh, and now we learn that he has passed away very sad and I, I will just share a memory I had you know this this is the first year we're not going to the combine in a, a decade and um i used to love the ted thompson press conferences at the combine <laughs> um i wrote uh, back in 2016 which was uh, his second to last year uh, on the job as gm i wrote on nfl.com if mitch hedberg were reincarnated as a prominent front office official in the nfl he'd be ted thompson i just he, he had a dry wit and a subtle sense of humor and it see it, it kind of undercut the rigidness of the NFL machine around him, especially in that setting at the combine. He didn't take anything too seriously, but at the same time, he was very serious about his business, which included building teams through the draft mark. He was all about the draft, famously, didn't like to sign pricey free agents. Uh, that was his mantra, and it, it, it helped uh, the Packers having him in charge all those years.
5: I mean, the greatest thing about those combine. Um, pressers where they were trying to press Ted Thompson to finally acknowledge that he might dip into free agency and make a big <laughs> splash. And he just completely ignored the concept of that. I mean, he really, he zigged when everyone else was zagging when it came to that part of the off season. Um, and it worked. Um, you, like, I think the one thing that these general managers have this incredible power at is you completely have the ability to change a franchise forever. And who had a bigger imprint? I mean, the the Packers have had a number of great general managers, but um, in the Rodgers era, I mean, it's all about Ted Thompson, and uh, they have a whole different philosophy now, but he was very memorable and is a
4: huge part of what Green Bay did. Well, he's a, he's a huge part of this team, too. You know, he, he drafted Devontae Adams. He drafted Corey Lindsley, their all-pro center. He drafted Kenny Clark. He drafted Dean Lowry, uh, who's still playing for them. He drafted Aaron Jones, you know, and then – I think he'll always be remembered more than anything as, as the guy who drafted Aaron Rodgers, even though was Favre was there. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely sad, but he was one of the, you know, one of the best to do it. If anything, like he was so loyal to Mike McCarthy. I always wanted to see, you know, we that was always a, a con, a conversation on our podcast. Well, I would like to see Rodgers with a different coach. And you know, now you see it. And, um, but that was that was his, it was his organization more than anyone, Ted Thompson. It's crazy how how many of those players. It's not like that on many other teams, actually, that you have that many players going back that far. So it, it goes to show they wouldn't be there here uh, right now without him.
3: Yes. Ted Thompson passes away at the age of 68. Rest in peace uh, in other news Dwayne Haskins looks like he's about to get another job it's out there a report uh from where is this report from it's, it official, is, now. it's, oh, it's official now oh it's now official it's officially official as Albert we Freer, taped, initially yep. reported it but now it's a deal, done deal that the Pittsburgh Steelers have signed uh Dwayne Haskins as a free agent this is a Steelers team mark that has some uncertainty at quarterback in their future you have an old man in Ben Roethlisberger and by the way look now let's take a look at this Phil Rivers retired Eli Manning, long retired, the third in the big trio of the 2004 draft picks. Ben Roethlisberger, now the last man standing. Mason Rudolph, not a great backup quarterback. I guess the thought here is that Mike Tomlin uh, and his staff, staff can turn Dwayne Haskins into a professional quarterback that maybe could be the future at the position.
5: Well, I just can't help but wonder if the Roethlisberger announcement is, is pending or coming soon. Mm. I'm just watching the way that he... You know he shed tears at the end of that game. It had nothing to do with that one game. I think it had to do with a lot more weight um that he was pondering at the time i mean for me it's it's a people there were a lot of Steelers fans during the season saying. When Haskins is let go, and it just was the tea leaves were there, that he was someone a lot of Steelers fans wanted. I mean, Big Ben came from Ohio and tortured Ohio teams forever. Um, Haskins, Ohio State, that would be a nice narrative to continue. I mean, it's a project, but it's a much better environment, I think, for Dwayne Haskins. Um, we will see. I, I, I think he does some things really well. Um, I don't think you'd view him as a starter, but it could be like, we're going to stock up on quarterbacks because Big Ben is out the door.
4: Hmm. I, uh, I'm surprised how many Steelers fans and seem to want Roethlisberger to retire. I know he wasn't playing his best. Um, it's recency bias based on those yeah. last six weeks.
3: Yeah.
4: And and Feichner, you know their offensive coordinator got let go or didn't renew his contract. That supposedly, you know, Roethlisberger wasn't going to be fired up about that. That, but they did promote Matt Canada, who had been there. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that affects it. I I do think maybe we're due for some like quarterback retirement drama. Haven't had a lot of that lately. You know, I think Ben is the man to do it. You know, like, is he going to do it? Is he not? Yes, I'm retiring, but then he changes his mind two months later. Let's do it. Ben.
3: Favre like he could go. Uh, Ted Thompson had a deal with for years with Brett Favre. Right. Yeah. Great. Can't can't wait to track that all offseason. season. And finally in the news, this just went down, uh, and it's it's a big deal uh, for uh, the Eagles and all the fans out there. And speaking of Eagles fans, she wasn't scheduled to join us for a few oh minutes gosh. to dig in on the NFC title game. But since the Eagles have zeroed in on a new head coach, let's bring her on a little bit early. The great tiny box, Connie Fox, Colleen Wolf.
1: welcome boom, boom, back boom. to
2: the show. What's up?
1: Hi! Great to see you guys. Love to see all your faces, and I really just love to hear this song. So I'm just trying to come on it as many times as I can to hear it.
3: Turn that up in my headphones. There's a
4: wolf.
1: I feel there's cooler. A
4: I mean, after it's a, I listen to it, house, down, it's a new day in
3: Philadelphia. There's a wolf. It's a new day in I have to figure out
1: I, I want to start driving around like the neighborhoods here, just like tearing it up with this song, just blaring, maybe roof off. Who knows what's gonna happen.
4: What are the neighbors like around here now?
5: They
1: don't talk to me. I don't know any of them.
5: No. I've been in your neighborhood, I don't think that would play well down there from what
3: from what I've seen. Um
1: there's a right. lot of children. <laughs>
3: Let's get into it, Connie. You, you must fit right in. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, the Eagles have a new uh, football coach locked and loaded here, Connie. It is Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni, uh, Rapsheet, garofolo Tom Pellicero report. I mean, I've been down this road before. The if we get to the point where we have three of the quote-unquote insiders on our network— all sourced reporting on it just make an NFL network it, it, you don't get to use the names anymore if I was in the newsroom <laughs> but I'm not and haven't been since March and even if I was it wouldn't matter doesn't matter none of this matters Doug Peterson is out <laughs> as we know after that four eleven and one campaign uh, so the Eagles make that surprise move to dump Peterson pissed off, and he's pissed off he's probably taking a year off but here is Nick Siriani. Connie we don't know much about Nick other than Uh, He was uh, with Frank Reich, who's obviously that's a good guy to be working with and under. Uh, Your initial thoughts, do you have any initial thoughts on what's going on with the Eagles here?
1: Well this all just happened so it's all pretty new pretty fresh Um, we heard that obviously he was in the mix in terms of somebody that the Eagles were interested in him and Josh McDaniels so I guess this is better than Josh McDaniels but I don't I don't really know because this guy we've never seen him as a head coach before first timer and Philly is not exactly an easy place to be a first time any position I think in anything especially when everyone is judging and watching your every move plus he inherits this quarterback situation which... I'm not sure uh, how that's going to go down. It's pretty complicated. It's a me- I feel like it's a messy situation, considering Howie Roseman, the GM, is clearly very married to Carson Wentz. Uh, I read an amazing article in the Inquirer that Jeff McLean uh, had up about the giant poster that is plastered on Howie Roseman's wall in his office of Carson Wentz. Um, so that just like kind of sets the table. Welcome to Philly, Nick.
3: Yeah. There you go. And just by a little way, you know, some background. For listeners, he's 39 years old. Sirianni came into the league as a quality control coach in Kansas City under Todd Haley in 2009. Four seasons there, then moved up to wide receivers coach there, moves to San Diego. Five seasons with the Chargers as their quality control coach. I don't know what that means. QB coach, wide receiver (laughs) coach. And then he got the call to be the OC. Greg, for me, it's like this is my original thought. And I am, like we said, this is kind of a a hire where you're going to have to wait it out and see whether this guy can play the guitar if you will but my whole thought when you dump Doug Peterson is like you better get somebody in there that's going to inspire the troops and be an upgrade over the Super Bowl winning coach and we'll see if he is uh but again with Peterson it was maybe about Carson Wentz more than anything else right I think the
4: reports you know that Eagles management and they were doing it down in Florida. I like when the team does that. Come to my owner's huge mansion in Florida. We're going to do our interviews there. Like we're not going back to that facility like in the middle of winter. Who do you think we are? Uh, I I think the reports that say they basically told the coaches like you're going to work with Carson Wentz. Like I think that was part of it. I mean that you're, what's your plan for for helping out Wentz and fixing this situation? So I think Sirianni who worked with Frank Reich. Um, you know, probably sold himself on that. He was not the play caller, though, in Indianapolis. You know, Frank Reich. Sometimes some people think play calling is a little overrated. So he's a quarterbacks guy working with Rivers in San Diego, and then Indianapolis with, you know, I guess a, a trio of quarterbacks. You know, Luck and Brissett and, and Rivers. It's a big gamble. It feels like it's like you have to get this one right for this is this this brass. I think you know Howie specifically. They're attaching themselves to Wentz and Sirianni, and, like, that's it. And if you're an Eagles fan, there's probably part of you that thinks, like, you know, it felt like we kind of went with Andy Reid's guy for the last coach. We went with, like, Frank Reich's guy for this coach. You know, wouldn't it have been nice to just, like, keep Andy Reid or Frank Reich, I guess? Like, if they're the ones kind of <laughs> picking our coaches? I don't know. Lots well, certainly
5: mark, like- Andy Reid.
3: <laughs> Like Jalen Hurts, Mark, he he put a lot of good tape out there at the end of the season. So this feels like to me, Mark, that it could be a dangerous situation in terms of locker room chemistry and uh, the locker room maybe being siding with one quarterback over the other. And now you insert this rookie head coach in, as Connie said, a volcanic market in Philadelphia. We'll see. Could be a tricky one. It's it's the thorniest
5: landing spot out there um, east of the Texans because of everything we've mentioned, and this is the they still have the front office that drafted Jalen Hurts, but has you know life size life size posters of Carson Wentz and the general (laughs) manager. Yeah, that part of it's weird,
4: right? I mean, they they're the ones that drafted Hurts, supposedly. (laughs) I don't know. Well, right, and 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 Roseman and
5: Jeffrey Lurie are two peas in a pod. So I just think you come in. I think number one, Doug, Doug Peterson seemed to lack the authority to hire his own staff to some degree over the past couple of years. And I think that that was a, an issue between them and why they parted ways, that uh, they, they wanted to change the way they did things. And now so Sirianni, Sirianni comes in um, with the general manager and the owner completely linked and um, in, in a mind meld over Carson Wentz starting when I would imagine most of the fan base is kind of done with Carson Wentz on some level um, after what you've seen from Jalen Hurts, who this team drafted highly, and put themselves in this situation. So um, quite murky. If I'm Sirianni, I might want to be Doug (laughs) Doug Peterson and take the paid year off, but that's not an option for him.
3: Uh, Wow. Okay. Colleen, is the Carson Wentz uh, artwork or poster or whatever it is behind Howie Roseman, the most troubling Uh, Decor since the Alex Rodriguez Minotaur painting. Oh,
1: I I never forget about that. Like I have never (laughs) ever once forgotten about that, and it's really haunted me because at the time I remember I was I was. (laughs) Just dating. I, I wasn't married to John yet. And I remember how horrifying.
3: Really? John Ronald Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, is an American sports writer who is married to NFL media broadcaster Colleen Wolfe. John, who's a Pisces, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. The
1: thought of, exactly, the thought of just like walking into some guy's house that I just met and seeing <laughs> that on the wall. Or, you know, not just met, but you know what I mean. Like, we've had a, we've had a courtship. Uh, Colleen just told on out.
5: herself. Some checkpoints.
1: Um, that would be horrifying. So <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. I really it. walked into that one.
3: And what a what a World Series ad against your Phillies in 2009. We can get into that, too, maybe at some point uh, on another Like oh, John
5: right. and I just <laughs> met four hours earlier. I was there.
4: <laughs> I watched the Yankees clinch against the Phillies. So strange. How, how you have you there? been?
3: I was there, too. I mean, how have I not been at that game, no, no, clinching game? Notice like uh,
4: Greg is at every historical
5: event ever brought it's up. It's Forrest Gump. All right. And it's every
1: afterwards, they just played on loop, New York, New York, over and oh. over and oh. over. And we had to, like, tape raps and do interviews and everything. And they just didn't stop. So I mean, I'm a Red Sox really...
4: fan, so I got out of there fairly quick. But
3: I watched the <laughs> good, little good for enjoyment you. for a couple minutes. Tough stitch, tough stitch. All right, Connie. Um, yes. That's what's happening in the news. Let's now move to the NFC title game. And, uh, you know, Colleen, love it. Can't wait to see... Aaron Rodgers on the stage in his building against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and all the focus is on Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. But as we know in our league and our sport, it's not actually those two guys like in, in like um, ancient Rome with swords and shields fighting each other. No, it is. It is. Which would be cool. I would watch that. Uh, And I don't know who I'd pick to win that. We'll get to that later. It's actually, to me, the matchup I care more about is Aaron Rodgers and this offense that is so beautifully designed against the Tampa Bay defense, which just embarrassed Drew Brees and potentially his last game. How do you feel about Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay here? Do you think they're going to continue to roll offensively?
1: I do. I feel like if I was just going on gut, the whole time I have been with the Packers. Now obviously that did not happen week six and I have been labeled a Bucks hater for some Mm. reason all year (laughs) long so this must be something that is like actually happening uh it has to be a theme but I I agree because I almost feel like that week six game was just so weird and it was such a bad performance for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers in general and everything came up the Bucks way but it just seems like that was such a different team and honestly like in the NFL season and especially now where I, I feel like that was so long ago it feels like that was last season week six. And now this team, the Packers, the way that they came out, even last week, 484 total yards of offense against this Rams defense, and I know that they didn't have a 100% Aaron Donald, and that obviously played a huge role in it, but the run game looked really good for the Packers. They were balanced, and then, of course, the Bucks coming off that game against the Saints, where they just got turnover after turnover. Like This is going to be a little bit different for the Bucks defense going up against Aaron Rodgers. You're not Going to have Drew Brees, who couldn't stretch the field at all. What he only did—he complete any passes over twenty yards? I think one, maybe. So it's going to be a lot different from last week and Week Six.
5: The only thing that would that would concern me a little bit is that the Bucks have been great against the run. Um, Vita Vea is coming back. And, you know, uh, this was a team that selectively um, and effectively blitzed Rodgers at a higher rate than any team has back in week six. So I know that a lot's changed. I'm with you. Um, Our friend Nate Tice points out that this Packers offense right now, um, they are one of three teams since 2002 to average more than a field goal per drive. And the other two are the 2007 Patriots and the 2018 Chiefs. So it tells you that the Packers have grown into this. We spent all last week, oh, what, you know, Brandon Staley and the Rams defense. I think they might be good enough to go to the Super Bowl and shut everyone down. (laughs) And then, like, within 15 minutes of that game starting, and I know that there were issues for the Rams in that game, it was like, no, that's not how football works in twenty twenty necessarily. So it's not just the Bucks defense. I mean, their offense is huge in this, but the Packers are not I would be stunned if they duplicate that effort because the Bucks were so effective against
4: them, but the Bucs are gonna have to be a little bit different this time around, and you can't fool Aaron Rodgers. The, well, the Bucks time. defense isn't as good as they were back then either. They started the season like a house on fire. Um, they're not They were a, last week. Yeah, they were, but they that was against I think a compromised um, offense. You know, they weren't against Washington, gave up a lot of yard. They're such a boomer bust defense. That's just who they are. You saw like the ultimate like boom situation in week 6, but they give up big plays. It's all these young defensive backs who they have kind of playing man coverage and like stuck in one-on-one situations. So much of it I think come is going to come down to like the most tiring topic of of the Packers season, which is like Lazard and MVS. Like at what point and you just gave a great stat, one of the best three offenses in terms of scoring per drive. In the last twenty years, like at what point will people shut up about them not drafting a receiver? At what level does the Packers' offense need to be where that is a stupid point? Where they're like, still can't believe they took a quarterback. It's like you
3: <laughs> have the voice. number one offense in the league. By There's far. another one, by the way, Greg, tied to what you were saying, and I'll use that guy's voice as well. Just imagine what this team would look like with the first round pick.
4: <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I would flip it and say maybe imagine them with another cornerback or another linebacker that's where i'm worried in this game i'm not i'm with you colleen and mark that i'm not really that worried about the packers putting up points and moving the ball i think their offensive line will win battles and i think Rodgers is just gonna he's just so patient right now it's crazy that i just can't imagine unless you're a really special
3: defense you're gonna slow them down and i don't think the bucks are that special defensively Connie, do you think um, the bearded boy, Matt LaFleur, deserves more credit than he's gotten? Mm. uh, Because, you know, the record speaks for itself. They've now won... 13 plus 1 is 14. 14 plus 13 is... Uh, 14 plus 10 is 24. Plus 3 is 27. Hang on, listeners. 28. 28 wins uh, against 7 losses in 2 seasons. I think that's all right. Um, so the record is great. But also, his ability... And there were whispers last year that the offense wasn't exactly where Aaron Rodgers wanted it to be, and and they certainly weren't as explosive. But how about this? Some patience. He installs a system that he believes in, Lafleur, and it grows and builds to the... The juggernaut it has become now Matt LaFleur deserves more credit for his role in this offense yes.
1: well I think too because yeah for sure because you think about all of the credit that Sean McVay got when the Rams were having all of their success offensively and it was like oh my god Sean McVay is a genius he's so young he's got a <laughs> photographic memory it's incredible like was that like, RuPaul? I-, I feel like <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I think that Matt LaFleur, like, doesn't really get that same cachet because the difference of Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers in year two with Matt LaFleur is, is just so much better than I think anyone could have expected. And it's so hard to to kind of... Um, pinpoint where the credit should go and how much credit you should give to who because it's such a collaborative effort but the offense with Aaron Rodgers is just working so well and that that connection that Rodgers has with Devontae Adams is just so next level Rodgers said that besides uh, Charles Woodson that Devontae Adams is the best player he's ever played with which is such high praise and mm. it just seems like they're always Ooh. on the same page but they weren't week six and I think I have to go back and look but wasn't he that, was coming um, off a
5: hamstring injury yes. though he hadn't played for three weeks and so I think exactly. it's like we're getting a different form of him now right
1: 100% I was I was trying to um remember if that that was his first game back from the hamstring
5: yeah that's right and they yes. got up to yeah. nothing in that game and then everything went south
1: Right. So I, I think that that's part of the reason why I think things will be a little bit different this time around. But Matt LaFleur, I mean, if he if the Packers go all the way, um, even if they just win this week, we're going to be talking about them for two weeks. So uh, I think that LaFleur will get his due. We'll get uh, now I'm up. adding more. Now I'm adding more syllables to the name name. Be- after Tom Pellicero <laughs> did his whole thing on NFL Now about how it's three syllables. Everyone is like pronouncing Wait, it so wrong. Say
4: it right. What is it?
1: He said it's supposed to be la Fleur. like la
5: Well, that sounds Fleur. like if you really wanted to go into the nuance, that you would. You would say that
4: la Fleur. right? Well,
1: well I'm, and now it's like five syllables for me. So okay, it's on. It's
3: it's on the Bolzaccans, Greg, uh, to figure out a way to cook up a scheme to slow down this offense and. We saw what Devin White he kind of led the way last week in the Vita Vea thing, which Mark brought up. We don't know what he, if he does play, what he's going to give you. He's coming off a broken leg and just came back to practice, but he was one of the top uh, top graded interior alignment before he went he's down. He's
5: also, I mean, I would say this: he's bigger than the door I'm looking at over here. I mean, you just <laughs> right. put him on the field and you've got you got something to work with. So,
3: well, yes, perhaps. But Greg, do you think that um, they'll be able to? Bill, Billy Barnwell thinks that they can cook up pressure and he. Up, Rodgers. Uh, I know you've been somewhat critical of their past rush this year.
4: Yeah, I don't think Shaq Barrett's been the same. You know, JPP's been okay. Um, they actually were playing. I was wondering last week, should they play this guy, Anthony Nelson, a little more, who had a couple good rushes? And because they played, you know, Barrett and JPP so much. I think Devin White versus like Aaron Jones is huge. Um, like, I think the run games for both these teams are so important. It's kind of because LaFleur is sneaky like a heavy run guy early in games, too. It's not just like they get ahead. Like, they are a running team. Their backfield is awesome right now. Like, Aaron Jones is the man. But but Jamal Williams, to me, is one of the best backups in the league. And A.J. Dillon's good, too. It's like they, they are they are going to run. And the Bucks run defense hasn't been as good lately. I, defensively, I just kind of think, like, Maybe this will be wrong because of the weather, but it just feels like there's only going to be a hit so many stops in this game. There's not going to be that many. To me, the Bucks have a few more playmakers where can you make one play? Like, can you just make one big defensive play, whether it's a sack fumble or an interception or whatever it is, to just you know give a little bit of an edge in a game that i'm picking is thirty-one thirty, um but it's like a lot of points it's either way like and i think the bucks maybe have those guys maybe it'll be carlton davis or devin white or levante david or, or jpp or someone where maybe they have a couple more guys who can make like one big play even if they're not going to make many stops
1: and don't forget what Devin White did for this this Packers team, actually, because after that Week 6 game, Devin White told reporters that Green Bay didn't deserve to be on the field with them. I mean, you don't think that that... I know Yikes. Matt LaFleur was asked about it this week. You don't think that that's going to play a part in the locker room this week? Do you think week? they're going to try harder? It will.
4: They're going to try
5: harder? Yeah, I think they're going to try
1: a little harder.
5: little <laughs> Well, bit, hold on. I, to I think Colleen is a point, because you're dealing with Aaron Rodgers, who nothing... Um, it, it sticks to him, and it, he had a quote also, I love this because i thought he was shooting a arrow right at our podcast and in a set, maybe even myself he said we got a lot of comments about how we were the worst 13 and 3 team they'd seen last year not getting a lot of those comments this year so yes i think some of this stuff does matter and i Directly think it does that register
3: that hmm? they have been tracking you for a couple years and that was about you that's,
4: well, why, you
5: know what? that's why Rogers Every time, did Kyle Graham. You know how podcast, often do you claim how often ours? do you claim that some quote that you throw out there has been tracked by a head coach? It's Got utterly him. absurd. We all know it's absurd and we just we go along with it. Got him. So they're would, would
1: like the so easy, I'm Mark. Sometimes the it's out.
3: fish in a barrel.
5: Just <laughs> absurd. Would
1: you like to issue a statement to Rogers now? <laughs> that he follows everything you say.
5: I will say this: the team last year was thirteen and three. I thought it was one of the worst thirteen and three teams I'd seen. They got absolutely thrashed in the playoffs. This version of the Packers, I have said for months, I
4: totally game. believe in. I thought I you were going to lock it. them up, maybe. You know, you were That's talking really That's who earlier. I wanted to. But. Why backed you in the corner? You don't have to go against me. It might be smarter not to. Look at him telling you what one. to do. I'm just saying. Mark. I mean, you don't do whatever mm. you want. Do what you believe. So much
1: pressure with do- these. Locks. I
5: am doing what I want.
3: I will be locking up the Packers um, and riding with them. I locked them up last week. I'll do it again. doesn't matter because I'm not in the competition, but I'm a completist. And you said it, um, Greg, about the running game for Green Bay. Um, I just read a really good piece by Connor Hughes on The Athletic, uh, who was talking about what Mike LaFleur uh, brings to the <laughs> oh, no. uh, Jets' uh, offense, the brother of Matt LaFleur. Um, and it is, it's all dictated. The Kyle Shanahan offense, which M- LaFleur, both LaFleur's, are disciples, is powered off the run and it's the run that sets up the pass so yes that's that's been an underrated element of everyone is just all zeroed in on Aaron Rodgers but a reason why this is working is because they have that balance and that makes things like the play action and all the other gadgets that are built into the offense work that much better.
4: And and I think we should give the Bucks running game a little bit of love. I'm taking the Bucks, by the way. I'm riding. I'm riding this Bucks wave. I I look at like the two teams, and I think the Packers defense is the worst group in the game. Now maybe the Packers offense is is so much so much better than any other group but that doesn't matter. And but to me, I think that's where the, like the most mismatches are. They give up a ton against the ground. I love the way Ronald Jones runs. He's got a lot of juice. I think he's underrated. I think that's one of the reasons they won last week was they were able to run in the second half. Fournette's running really well, and then you just like look at all the matchups. Assuming Antonio Brown plays, which I think is a big factor, especially over the middle of the field, it's Brown and Gronk and Brait and you know you know maybe even Fournette in the in the passing game and Godwin, and it's against all these linebackers who uh Dan would call ham and eggers and safeties who are okay in the you know are, aren't really that great in coverage you know I think there's just a lot of mismatches that's that's what I mean where they could have used that First round pick at cornerback, and these two quarterbacks—like, there's no one better at adjusting.
1: We're back with They're, the draft again.
4: We're back there. We're back. I'm there. Back. Just oh
1: imagine what Like, this there's no one better. Look
4: like th- there's no one better at adjusting <laughs> than Brady and and Rogers, and so I think they'll both find mismatches as the game goes along. Brady's numbers in the fourth quarter this year—I went to check because it's like it feels like he's just been on fire—are outrageous. Like he has closed games so well. And this feels like a game where it's like whoever has the ball last wins. That's what I'm hoping
3: for, and I think it'll be the Bucks. Connie, what's your pick in this game? Both games, in fact.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with, what, do you want to score two? Just Packers. I'm going to go with the Packers. Okay, okay. Um, And then I'm going to go... I mean, well, we don't really know what's going to happen. We're with the assuming the plays right? assume, assume right, let, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Her. I want the Bills to win, though. I want—I don't want to be right about that game.
4: Then just pick a, Just pick the opposite. Pick what you want. You know, why not?
1: Go with your heart. Nah, i am i am i am am in it to win it. Else have a there's no prize for paper. on but. this
3: game. Uh, Greg, buried in that little notebook uh, that you use with you write with your Japanese pen. Anything you want to empty out before we uh, say goodbye? Real quick. Um, yeah. Yes.
1: If Greg doesn't have one.
3: Yes. And I have go a final for question I one, for you, I had one Connie. But quick go ahead. one, But I want to All get right. Connie's first. Colleen, Greg, okay. and then a last question for. <laughs>
1: The okay, Bucks. okay. okay. And mine will be quick. But okay. I was surprised that the Bucks' offensive line held up as well as they did last week against the Saints pass rush, considering they were down Alex Kappa, and they were bringing in Aaron Stinney at guard for his first NFL start ever. And they did, they did a really good job. So I'm wondering how they're going to match up with the Packers pass rush, considering they went off on golf. They sacked him four times last week. Kenny Clark was constantly in the backfield. Rashawn Gary is getting better and better. So that could be a matchup to watch
4: that that was kind of mine how about that yeah, I mean I'm record. with you like I think the two the two lines should dominate um they're better but I think if if something that could prove everything I just said about like the Brady wrong is if Rashawn Gary and Zedaria Smith go have a game that's where their difference makers are like the th- two of them Gary is playing really well and Kenny Clark all together if they could win that matchup then it kind of blows up everything I said they're they're the chance for the Packers
3: defense right there Connie, you know, sometimes they try to put you in a box. And I feel that way sometimes as well. If you're (laughs) the host and it's like, well, you're not allowed to have takes or like study things in a different way and share those. But that's what you just proved. Yes, you're a host Mm -hmm. and gifted. But your ability to analyze the sport and offer takes. I mean, thank you.
1: You can just you can keep the compliments coming. I'm if you're not done yet, that's fine.
3: (laughs) Before before you go, um, I teased it at the top of our conversation. Um, Let's go back to ancient Rome. Mark, I'd like your take on this if you have one as well. Um, you know it? And Greg. That's how we do it.
1: <laughs> it's nice. Swords, Greg. You're shields. In, you're included. <laughs> Whatever. Swords. You
3: need. Shields, sandals battle, ancient Rome. Connie, you're actually the emperor. You're the one that does the thumbs up, thumbs down to decide whether the, the loser, the vanquished party uh, lives or dies. Uh, so I want to hear, I guess, your take on that as well. But Aaron Rodgers oh. against mm. Tom Brady in a swords, shields, and scandals clash. Who wins? Hmm,
1: Tom That's Brady. so much power. <laughs> Brady. Um, really? You're going to go with Brady? Why? I would... Yep. Yeah, why would you go with Brady?
5: Um, I think Brady, like, I, you know, for, for all the people that like to make fun of Tom Brady and, uh, you know, the food he eats and all this other business, um, I think there's something inside of Brady that is, like, will, will destroy anyone that gets in his way. And I think this season is um, has a lot to do with that. I think Aaron Rodgers might be, um, I think he's, you know, a warrior-type player, too, but it's a little bit different. I think that Brady um, is an assassin, and I see him that way.
3: Does Brady have the ability – if we're in ancient Rome, though, does he have access to, like, seaweed uh, smoothies and things like that?
5: Well, how about, like, like, literally no foods that exist with, like, um, ridiculous additives and food coloring? Yeah, he might like it. He'd be fine. might like it. Everyone else would be freaking
3: out. I think Aaron Rodgers wins because he's more nimble, and it's not just about power uh, in that that arena. uh, Colleen, I haven't heard your answer yet.
1: I, I'm I'm going with Rogers too. I think Brady uh, would recover faster from the whole match, <laughs> but I think Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why Aaron Rodgers just feels like he could maybe outpatient Brady in their mm-hmm. duel. Mm-hmm. Like he's very—I don't know—they're both so calm and like steely-eyed. So I would like to see it, but I—I I don't know. I, I would go with Rogers. Right. that I,
3: Survivor slogan: Outwit, outlast.
4: Right. Yeah. I'm with—I'm with Mark about Mark. I mean, a Brady kind of having that cold-blooded nature to him. But it's not like Rogers is far behind there. I mean, he—he's—he's he's pretty uh, pathological too. And so the athleticism, I think, is what does it. I'm with Dan. The—the the, the age difference. He you want move, to lock it up, move. Mark. Lock off? I'd happily
5: lock it up. I will. I will say that Rogers. I, I shouldn't. I'm locking up Rogers up as, a, as a non-competitor <laughs> here because he seems willing to strip himself of anything um, on some level. If you look at his choices and his history, so too Ooh. dangerous. Um, Fight.
3: <laughs> Little Olivia Munn Ooh. call back there, I believe. Hey, um, Connie. Finally, you're the emperor. Whoever loses, you know, live or die. Oh, that's it.
1: That's it for you. Wait, and see, well, uh, if you're gonna give me, you're gonna give me that power, um, I'm gonna use it. You're so,
3: gonna use it. You so, yeah,
1: otherwise, savage. it's gonna be used on me. You know.
3: All right. Well, there you have it. She is as cold blooded as it gets, <laughs> Colleen Wolf. And uh, yes, make sure you check her out on NFL Network. You're all over the place, Connie. I know. Uh, if you have any plug you want to throw in before you say goodbye, uh, but you know where to find Connie on the yes. dial. She's a star.
1: <laughs> Good morning, Football Weekend. Every Saturday, check it out.
3: There it is. There she goes. Thank you, Connie. You're welcome. Bye. Connie Fox leaves us, and we now uh, edge toward the weekend and championship weekend. How fun! Two games left. Only three games left in the entire season. Mark. I know it's
5: um, <laughs> it's, it's been a it's been an endurance test, but um, less so <laughs> than in years past. I think.
4: This is some where we need the Pro Bowl. It is left. sad. You know, You normally it would be four games left. We'd have the big Pro Bowl. Actually, we were usually, like, traveling that day. But, yeah, uh, we've, you know, we've really going to miss, the miss the Pro that Bowl. Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah but, I mean,
3: it. we'd watch it later. We'd tape it and definitely watch <laughs> it as a group. In past years, it would work out like this. We would be flying into the Super Bowl city while the Pro Bowl is played, and then you you check in, and then you go down to the hotel bar, and you see either the games in the third or fourth quarter, or you see the highlights, and you have a couple drinks with some friends, and you catch up, and and life's good. I guess maybe the way to look at it positively is when it happens, when that setup happens a year from now, we'll just appreciate it more. I'm trying to like spin as in this new era for america um i'm trying to now say i i understand how things are right now but things can get better and there's a good chance they will get better and i believe in that um on a lot of levels including with our friend chris wesley i'm with you we are we join you in that hope all right good stuff All right, we'll be back Friday, tomorrow, uh, on the NFL Network ourselves, the Around the NFL show. Make sure you check that out, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And then, of course, the flagship program uh, where we recap and talk about the two Super Bowl teams and the vanquished parties that Colleen will... Uh, cold-bloodedly send to the death chamber uh, if she has her way. And if you are overseas, we will be involved with the uh, Sky Sports coverage of Championship Weekend on Sunday. So make sure you check that out. All right. Anything else, boys? I think that's it. I, I think mean, we're good. Uh, this is a good one. Let's right, good. roll, as they say. Thanks to Bill. <laughs> yes, thanks to Bill. Farnwell thank you. To Connie Fox, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss ricky hollywood behind the virtual glass until sunday night